By the time you hear this podcast, you too will question why we have called this man one of the more ridiculous nicknames in pop music. Right, so we may have alienated some people with this song selection, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? Oh man, that is a classic right there. <laughs> that is Rock Steady by the Whispers, who were a lot older than yeah uh, than we realized when we saw the music video. Nowadays, they wouldn't they wouldn't be famous. No. Nobody wants to watch four or five old men in matching well, suits. You know, no, well, today I think. They could still make a song like this, but it wouldn't be as popular as it was. Mm -mm. Not nearly. No. Um, so that will give you a hint of who or what we'll be talking about this evening. This is the By the Time You Hear This podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with another episode only two days after the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, once again, shout out to Eric for hanging out with us. Um, and I do want to apologize to the people who have listened to the podcast and, uh, they could not hear Ben or bar could barely hear him, uh, throughout the episode. That was a, an equipment setup issue on my part, um, to where, uh, his mic wasn't plugged in like really at all. <laughs> so, um, that's why I put in the description to wear headphones, you know, and, <laughs> and turn up as loud as possible. Then you you you'll be able to to catch at least most of what he was uh, of what he said. But he is speaking on a mic that is connected properly. Yeah. And um, you know, when we have other in studio guests, <laughs> uh, studio, <laughs> yeah, studio, very another very loose term, <laughs> but. Uh, in the future, 
um, we'll have that settled. So no worries there. Um, lesson learned. But uh, yeah, we're back with another episode and you may hear the um, the window unit air conditioner uh, because, yeah, still have that issue in my apartment. <laughs> we almost made it, fam. We're not sweating no more, though. So Yeah. <laughs> um, a little better situation, though. It's it's definitely not as hot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you could wonder, like, you know, OK, since it's only two days after the last episode, what could have possibly have happened um, or what is there to talk about in music? Um, there are a few things. I mean, we didn't we didn't touch on everything, um, you know, and I know people are distracted with the Olympics and, um, you know, Usain Bolt just won the hundred for the third time and smiled as he did it. <laughs> and he ran, he ran a nine eight and it seemed like he jogged to yeah. a nine eight. Like it seemed like he jogged, but when you're six foot five, um, you're not even supposed to be running Mm-mm. that fast or even <laughs> that event. Unless you're running a hundred at six foot five. So it's a, uh, it's an, it's an amazing accomplishment. And I don't know when we'll ever see something like that again, a man that big. Yeah. Probably never running that fast. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a long while off. <laughs> um, so, uh, one piece of news that did come out, um, in, the last few hours, I feel like um, the NFL had to issue a statement saying they did not formally offer Adele the spot of of being the headliner of the Super Bowl halftime show um, because she said, I think it was during a concert or or an interview. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which. Yeah, but it was an interview, I believe. Yeah. Well, she, no, yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, she told the Staples Center's concert. So yeah, it was a Okay. Uh, so during a concert, she said she was offered it and turned it down. Um, either way, whether she was offered it and turned it down or the NFL didn't actually offer it to her. I'm glad it's not happening. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> they did offer it to her and they don't want to get caught. The NFL doesn't want to be the league that got rejected. I mean, they're the most popular sport in America. They went to Adele Hey, do the Super Bowl halftime show? And she said no, and they don't want to be embarrassed because I'm pretty sure they don't get people turning them down. Yeah, um, and I think it would have been—I don't know—I—I I, I don't want to be sad during halftime of the Super <laughs> yeah, Bowl. Yeah, no, yeah, like, Adele is not she, that type of music, man. Yeah, it, it's not. I mean, I know like the—it's it, supposed to be you know like pop or you know up tempo. I think that's what the Super Bowl halftime show should be. Agreed. And and then uh, have some room for some kind of spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could just look back at last year with Coldplay, um, who have a reputation for a lot of slow oh, yeah. tempo songs, but got some help with Beyonce mm-hmm. and Bruno Mars. Um, you know, and with them being a part of it, uh, made it more or made it better than what people thought it was going to be. Yeah. I don't um, know where they got the idea to put Coldplay. I mean, I get it. You want to get, I mean, they do have some up tempo songs yeah. and they're internationally known, mm-hmm. but a connection with the, like with something that is so American. Yeah. <laughs> like it just Super didn't Bowl. work. And I mean, I was excited about seeing it and 
and that's kind of what came to mind. Like, what are they going to play? <laughs> like, they got a few up tempo songs, but like, they're not even like what Clocks is up tempo, and um, that's all I can really think Sky of. Sky Full of Stars, yeah, and Adventure of a Lifetime, and that was brand new at the time. Yeah, <laughs> so, Adventure like, of a Lifetime was the, is, yeah. So you know, they songs. didn't have that when they asked them to do it. <laughs> this got lucky. <laughs> so. um but we know what what's weird about that. I think people more think about the Super Bowl halftime show in terms of Beyonce, mm-hmm. and then secondly Bruno Mars because okay Beyonce debuted or well not really debuted but the song formation had probably been out for like a week or something, yeah. and and so she did that song and there was controversy because people think the song is anti police mm-hmm. or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Bruno Mars doing Uptown Funk even a year after the song came out. That's that shows the the power of that <laughs> song. Jeez, man, like how much did Mark Ronson make off of that? Like And he got the perfect artist to do it. Like I I mean like only like maybe Chris Brown at his peak could have done that song better. Like that was he was he was perfect. Yeah. So um yeah, people for I'm not even you can probably ask people on the street who did the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Uh, it was Beyonce, right? Featuring Bruno yeah, Mars. Yeah, Bruno yeah. Mars yeah. <laughs> Coldplay was there. Were they really? <laughs> huh? Who's that? I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, I am glad that uh, Adele is not going to be doing it. If she turned it down, good. Yeah. I think. I think that's her knowing. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. she's a fit for for the Super Bowl uh, I- as far as the halftime show. Um, who do you think should do the Super Bowl halftime show? And this then we'll, we'll come back and revisit this <laughs> once the playoffs come around. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of people would like to see Bruno Mars do it again, but I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't he's have not pushing album. anything right now. So I mean, unless yeah. he goes out there and just does Uptown Funk again, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Red Hot Chili Peppers, although we've seen them do it as a guest, I think they'd be very good to do it as a headliner. They've yeah. got a lot of really good up tempo songs. They're very accomplished musicians, so I think they could pull it off. They have a new album that they're pushing. Um, so I think that would be a pretty good idea. You could always go with Beyonce again. That's always a safe bet, although I don't know and if they're going to be in Houston. To. Yeah. It's going to be in Houston. So I don't know Beyonce if they want may to. be considered again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I get what they're doing. They're just trying to go with who's the biggest thing in music right now. And she's up there. The only other thing I could think of, and I, I, I hate doing this i swear it feels like we bring her up every single episode taylor's yeah because i mean like honestly um you know me and a friend of mine um shout out to matt graff we were looking at her time in between albums and she's like right at that time where she should be releasing well, one you know what and she'd be pushing it you know what if if the super bowl if the halftime show wants to get the ratings boost that they have desired for so long <laughs> <laughs> get Taylor Swift and Kanye. Oh, oh, and have her sing Rihanna's part in Famous. <laughs> and like at the oh, same have, time, have Kanye do Kendrick's part from Bad Blood. Oh, God. Oh, man. That would be perfect. I mean, Kanye's pushing Life of Pablo. And if if her timeline remains she will be releasing an album sometime later this year and she will be pushing it. It will be big. Let's face it. You know, so why not? Let's start a petition. I'm going <laughs> to like, I don't know how to start an online petition. I don't know where to go exactly, but I will find one. Oh, yeah, we'll find it. 
and we'll post it on our Facebook page, Taylor and Kanye, not one or the other, other. <laughs> both Taylor and Kanye. Oh, that'd be amazing. I have heard, um, I guess when it came up, uh, during the Super Bowl, I think it was Bomani Jones who mentioned like, you should get, um, it should be a G funk halftime show. Have oh, like, God, like Dre G. and Snoop and Warren G. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he mentioned, but when I was thinking of that, I was like, okay. And also a, a Nate dog and Tupac hologram. Um, that would actually work in LA. Like if, cause I know they're going to, as soon as they get that new facility built out there, they're going to yeah. have one. Yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty bomb if they did it. And that would, that would be the perfect <clears throat> time. So that may be another petition mm-hmm. when the Super Bowl comes to LA. Um, a G funk halftime show. G funk era. <laughs> get the, yeah. Holograms. Yeah. I guess, You'd have to, yeah, because they're dead. So, yeah, you'd have to get <laughs> holograms. Hopefully none of them die in, you know, in between time. Yeah. And then and then along with that, if you want to get someone who's more current, just so it doesn't seem like, you know, those halftime shows where it was the Rolling Stones or the Who. <laughs> and Tom Petty. <laughs> or, or Paul McCartney. Um, add Kendrick Lamar. Um, I don't know who else is from California. I think Todd Dollar signs from California, but I don't know if he's from L.A. If he is, get, if he's just from California, get him out there too. Yeah, just get 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 E forty. <laughs> yep, he's from the Bay E40. Area. Why not? Um, make sure you have DJ Quick. Oh, um, DJ Quick! I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Todd Dolla Sign's from LA. Yeah. yeah. So, G Funk halftime show featuring Kendrick Lamar, Ty Dolla Sign, E forty, and yeah. So and then we'll, the holograms and and holograms. It'll be expensive, but I think L.A. would probably be more than willing to help out and and go all out because they have not had a football team in over 20 years. They sound excited. (laughs) And they're going to have a Super Bowl, too? Oh, Oh, yeah. So I think that's going to happen. Anyone else you think would just who could, even if it's not right now, maybe sometime in the near future? I don't know. I mean, it's in Houston. I don't know how big they're on country down there. I know one year when they had it in Atlanta, I want to think like Garth Brooks performed. Um, but I feel like the Super Bowl is much bigger nowadays. So maybe they wouldn't. I can't I can't imagine a country artist that would be big enough to do it right now. Um, because country music is big, but it's not like American consciousness big like it used to be. So because I was going to be like maybe Kenny Chesney. Maybe Zach Brown, but even like these are, Keith you know, Urban. or Keith Urban or even um, maybe Florida Georgia Line. I'm trying to think of who the big, big country music stars are, are out there right now. But like none are really there aren't any really that are like getting into like the pop sphere and staying there. Like you'll have some break in every now and then. Luke Bryan, maybe. I think he's pretty big. God, I hate his music, but I'm almost ashamed to say he's from Georgia, too. Um, but I mean, maybe when it comes back to Atlanta, oh God, don't get have Luke a Bryan. <laughs> Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney, and the Zach Brown band. I might shoot myself, <laughs> <laughs> especially since I've met Zach Brown and he was not very nice. Um, but that's another story for another time. Um, so I'm trying to think of who else could there be. Um, well, who's I mean, I'm not saying like. Taylor or Kanye couldn't do a Super Bowl halftime show, them headlining it separately. Mm-hmm. But I think together. That'd be classic. It, it would top 
any it would top anything. I mean, as as big as like I really like Prince's halftime show. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is Michael Jackson's because mm-hmm. that was the first one I ever saw. That's really <clears> good. Um, but Taylor and Kanye, <laughs> introduced by Kim Kardashian, like a Super Bowl halftime show with a backstory. Like <laughs> we've never had that. We've never had that. Why not? You know. Um, but. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Beyonce again. It's in her hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, bring out. I, there's never there's hardly the opportunity for there to be hip hop in the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-mm. It's still a very uh, polarizing genre in America. This is in Houston. Bring out Bun B and, and Scarface. <laughs> People have to know who they are, though. <laughs> Houston would know who they are. Houston and that would, know. would be enough. <laughs> That should be enough, but I mean, you'd have to bring out like Jay Z to do Big Pimp and, and have Bun B on there, like for there people to really know who he there is. There you go. It's like, oh, that's the dude from. What happened to the other guy? He's what? Oh, he's dead. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah, man. Half of UGK. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd be excited. I mean, I think it'd be cool. I, I think that should be something for the NFL to consider. But should they bring Paul Wall? Well, <laughs> I'm not saying no. I'm not saying no, but that would be like, okay, if they brought out Bun B and Scarface and people were like, who are they? They would react the same way to, to Paul, Paul Wall. <laughs> Houston would know who they are. I mean, they might as well bring out Mike Jones. Too, yeah, who? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, I think, and I think it should be more. It, it, try to make it hometown centric. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, when I know Minnesota with their new stadium is going to host the Super Bowl very soon, and it would have been great to have Prince if he were still with us. Um, but I would have wanted to make that Minneapolis centric. Okay, Prince, Morris Day in a Time, mm-hmm. Mint Condition. Um, I don't know who else is from Minnesota. Husker do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but have have that kind. Of, I would have wanted to see a, um, a new Jack Swing. Well, no. They're they're kind of new Jack Swing, but they're more. Minneapolis had their own, mm-hmm. their own thing. So have Minneapolis do their thing at, at the Super Bowl halftime show would have been would have been nice. And I know. Um, well, yeah, it's going to be in L.A. It's going to be in Atlanta. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. And maybe Outcast should consider it, or maybe maybe it has been offered to them already. Well, I, feel I mean, like. I have to wonder how big they'll be at that point. Um, because I mean, Stanko, not Stankoni, but um, Speaker Box Love Below. That was college for us, man. That was yeah, that was two thousand four, but that was a long people, time ago. People are still holding out hope. I still hold out hope that they'll do at least one more album together. I mean, I think. I mean, that'd be a cool time to... I mean, what? It's 2020 is when they announced it for Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta 2019. Super Bowl, 2019, yeah. So, I mean, they got three years to get together. Make an album. I don't know. I mean, it'd be cool. They don't have to make an Even album. Even if they just went out there and just did old stuff. I mean, just did Roses and yeah, I like the way you move. They don't have to make an album. I hope they do more than <laughs> I love the way you move and they just leave. Miss Jackson. <laughs> and they leave. This is three songs. It's like, we out. Cause you got to get other rappers. You got to get like um, Ti. It's got to come out. Ludacris has got to come out. Um, Ghetto Mafia. I'm just kidding because no one knows who they are. Um, 
but you got to have like people like current from Atlanta too. So like it, people are going to be upset if like they're going to feel like future was oh, snubbed yeah, future, yeah. if he's not a part of it. Yeah, he, I forgot he is from Atlanta. Um, but what what song could what if he could do one song at the Super Bowl halftime show that does not offend offend Middle America because that's what that's partly what the halftime show is. It's yeah to bring in those casual fans, bring the casual the casual music fans mm-hmm. to to where no one is offended and no one has to change the words of their songs too much. Mm-hmm. You know what though, and actually. I could I could see this this year. I just thought about this. Drake. He could do he could do some of the stuff he did with Drake, but it's kind of offensive. Um I was gonna say he could do Jumpman, they, but yeah, they could do yeah. That's about it. Um Or big or in big rings. They might yeah. be able to do that one. Hmm. But they'll have a the they'll have, they'll <clears throat> do an NFL version of big rings. Oh god, for Super Bowl rings. Rings, yeah. Super Bowl rings. Oh, Championships. God. I can't think of any other. I mean, I guess because we're only naming hip hop artists from Atlanta. I mean, there's. I mean, you could bring out Seven Dust <laughs> if they were popular enough. I like Seven Dust, but let's does, just be real. Does Atlanta still claim John Mayer? I don't know if John Mayer still claims Atlanta. I don't know. Like he's up. He went up in Montana. He's just up there. He's lost in the sauce. I mean, I can't. I mean. Um, People are going to feel that Gucci was is snubbed too if he's not a part of it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Gucci can, yeah, feel snubbed. It's okay. It's all right, Gucci. <laughs> like I just, I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine Gucci Mane performing it at at the like this dude punched a woman off stage. Like I just can't see Gucci Mane. Um, like I can't see a trap halftime show like Gucci Mane and and, and um Young Jeezy and just, and like I I mean who are these other trap artists? I can't think of them. Um. You know Atlanta, your 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 local bankhead rappers. I don't know. I can't think of them right now, but I'm sure there'll be six more by the time this Bowl comes here. Yeah. Oh, another person who might be snubbed if he's not included, and he'll probably will be included, even though he won't get to do much. Lil John. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lil John. He could get up there and shout. But the yeah, the only song he could do is turn down for what? Yeah. <laughs> so and he just shout, or he can like shout on other people's songs. <laughs> like you get Usher, they could do yeah. Because by then that song will have will be almost twenty years old. I mean, <laughs> and what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, will also be included, and and just to include ratings that would kind of like, um, uh, kind of spin off to other shows. Mm-hmm. There'll probably be an, there could be an episode of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta where Scrappy mm-hmm. thinks he's going to be on the Super Bowl halftime show, and then he finds out at the last minute that. Uh, his segment was dropped. <laughs> uh, no. Uh. And and Young Jock thought he was going to be there, too. Like, that was his only chances if Scrappy got on. Then oh, maybe God. Young Jock could get on, too. Young Jock and his one-hit wonder self. <laughs> um, oh, okay. You think Young Jock is a one-hit wonder, but I can't I can't say Joe Budden is a one-hit wonder. Oh, I agree. Joe Budden is a one-hit <laughs> oh. wonder. Um, Young Jock, the only thing that really made him popular was that motorcycle dance that people were doing at soccer games. Um, and then Vince Carter did it for a while mm-hmm. after he dunked. Um, yeah, I mean that's, I mean, well, he was on a he was on a Danny Kane song. That's that's all I know that he did, and I mean he probably did that under like, like under coercion. Like Diddy probably was like, yeah, you're gonna oh, you're yeah, gonna be he on was this. Bad boy. So you're gonna be on this Bad Boy South. Oh, that's supposed to be me. the Southern excuse Bad Boy. Me. 
back when, you know, them franchise boys and the like were getting signed. Bad Boy South was supposed to be the next, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was about as big as uh, <laughs> as Bass Industries Australia. Let's just be real. <laughs> little gossip girl there for some of you who may get that. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, glad Adele's not doing it, but there are a lot of artists out there that we would like to see that probably won't do it. Yeah. Honestly, now that I think about it, too, I think Drake could probably do it this year. This has been a big year for Drake. Um, I don't think he could headline it by himself. He's big, but he ain't I that think big. He, uh, you got to have Future. Yeah. Then. Or Bieber. Or maybe even Rihanna. But Bring Rihanna up there with too Canadian. And then with Rihanna, I mean, there'll be a backstory. The backstory that the Super Bowl halftime show needs mm-hmm. by having Rihanna. Um, I, I well, we'll 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 just have to see. And Drake thinks he's from Houston, so <laughs> it could work. <laughs> um, but yeah, Taylor and Kanye is it would, would get oh my yeah that 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 bring year. the house down. Taylor and Kanye. Um, so before we start recording, uh, we were looking over the MTV Video Music Award nominations and um wow i realize how much i don't watch music videos anymore these might as well have been in french (laughs) i don't know them uh i mean i know some of the artists i've seen some of the videos you know Mm -hmm. because i have access to youtube but the music video um as a promotional tool um I don't know. It's it's all but dead. Yeah, you know. I mean, you could post. Anybody can make a music video and put it up on YouTube, and it's kind of like at what cost to record companies or whoever pays for Mm -hmm. the music videos to be made. Um, what does that do as far as sales or just the exposure for your artist? Yeah. With and then it affects the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Um. Because, I mean, while it is cheaper to make videos than it used to be, that's still money that you have to put out there that there's a good chance you're not going to get back. Um, so there is really, I mean, I don't know. Like, this just put it on Vivo and hope that it gets views off of the artist's name. I mean, that's really kind of how it is at this point. Yeah. And try to make some revenue from from Vivo since they have the ads. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like at this point, why are we even well, having the VMAs? And then there's the product, the product placement. Yeah, which is everywhere. There's a Beats pill and everything. Yeah. Um, or uh, you see Cherry Tree Cola, <laughs> Skechers, yeah. Midori, or some kind of champagne. Like, I don't I don't see, like, why... Or liqueur. Whatever. I mean, I could see if... if, if I, the, to me, when I was younger, and not to sound like an old man, but when I was younger, the significance of the VMAs were the fact that you got to watch these videos on MTV. That was yeah. the significance. Now these like MTV doesn't show videos, so where's the significance now? Like it's you might call them I mean, the YouTube Vivo Awards. Yeah, I mean, these, yeah, that's what that, I was just about to say. Because that. that's all it is. Like that's where I'm seeing these videos rebranded the YouTube Vivo Awards because like MTV ain't showing these videos. They just they're not. Yeah, well, VH1 may show them, but at like four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, that's that's my thing on it though. Like when I when I read that they were coming out, they were happening. I'm just like, this is stupid. Like I can't believe they're still doing this. I can I can I can look past the MTV Movie Awards because MTV does kind of show movies sometimes, and 
the movie awards, I don't know, like it just, it, it feels a little bit more normal, but the VMAs were made because you showed music videos. I, I can't even watch the MTV movie awards anymore because depending on what comes out, you know, what's going to win because it's all fan vote. Oh yeah. And it if is. it's a bunch of, um, kids voting, mm-hmm. you know, this is what they can use their internet time for that their parents allow. But I mean, if a hunger games movie came out, that oh. was going to win. I think all the Twilight movies won Ugh. best movie when like whatever year it came out. If it was a Twilight movie that came out that year, that was going to win. And Kristen Stewart is going to win best female performance. She's even a, though she is she board. is terrible. There's just nothing, no emotions. Just looks like she's constipated. Like just <laughs> um, it does that thing with her. Oh, you know what? Never mind. No, yeah, about no, Kristen no Stewart. airtime. We're talking about music. Okay. Yeah. Um, so looking at the video of the year nominees, we have Adele's hello, Beyonce's formation, Justin Bieber for sorry, um, which he is not in. So yeah, he wasn't in the video. So how is he going to win? I mean, if that video wins, Mm. how does he get the award? And he wasn't even in it. It's like George Michael and freedom 90. Yeah. Just did not appear. Um, Drake for Hotline Bling and Kanye West for Famous. Um, we know the most controversial video on the list is Kanye West Famous. Formation's not far behind though. Well, yeah. not, well, I guess more so the song really than the the song and the performance and everything that surrounds it more so than just the video. Yeah. Yeah, from a video standpoint, yeah, you are right. Famous is very controversial. <laughs> um, if you want to pick something that was safe and didn't really offend anybody, um, I think it would be Hotline Bling. Yeah. Uh, it's just Drake with a lot of neon lights, um, a few girls dancing, <laughs> and unfortunately him dancing. But and a huge sweater. <laughs> and a big bubble jacket, too. Yeah, like, was he, like, I wore sweaters like that my sophomore year of college. Like, they stopped being cool back then. He's Canadian. He was cold. <laughs> um so of those have you seen all of the videos in that category um I've seen famous I've seen hotline bling I've seen formation I don't think I've seen sorry I haven't seen hello I didn't know there was a video for hello I've seen the video for hello it has uh Tristan Wilds or Mac Wilds for real it's Mac his Wilds music names his music uh uh what was his music name yeah aka Dixon yeah from 90210 oh, what okay <laughs> What was his name in The Wire? He was in The Wire too, right? Uh, Michael. Okay, okay. Who, um, for people who watch The Wire, you see the ending sequence. Each of the main characters, a lot of the main characters had like a replacement to kind of like signify that the cycle continues. Mm. So Michael becomes the new Omar for people who follow The Wire. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's in the video for Hello. Um, what other uh, category could we highlight here? Um, so I think I think Hotline Bling will probably get that award, if, if unless the Beehive comes out, and we know they do. Um, we'll see. Yeah, they got to vote. I mean, that was kind of my thing. Like when Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. if Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time, well, why didn't her fans vote for her? <laughs> uh, so if you want Beyonce to win, Beehive. You need to go vote. 
mm-hmm. on MTV.com because that that is the only way she's going to win <laughs> is by having the most votes. Um, don't let the uh, don't let the the believers and the um, the Swifties. Well, no, she's well, not Swift, in there. The Swifties aren't. I didn't yeah. know she. I didn't know she had a name for her fan base. Yeah, they're called Swifties. Yeah. Does, does Drake have a fan base name? I don't think so. Canada? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think Beyonce is going to win. Um, I think the safe the safe pick. If I were a betting man, <laughs> I would bet on Hotline Bling winning. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be formation because there's going to be a lot of vote splitting in Canada over Justin Bieber and Drake anyway. Yeah. So, um, the Video Vanguard Award, the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, is being go- is going to Rihanna. Um, she's been around for 11 years, which sounds about right, but also really long yeah. at the same time. Um, well, I remember listening yeah. to, um, as a matter of fact, is it a party that you threw, um, back when we lived in a city that shall not be named, um, you were playing her first single SOS, not, oh, what's her first single SOS? Her first single I thought it was like Ponder Replay. Ponder Replay. Never mind. You played her first single from Good Girl Gone Bad. Was she? Uh, uh, hold on. I'm, I'm, might have been Disturbio. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no, screwing no. up here. You I were playing know. SOS. I remember that because I was like, okay. he's playing SOS. Um, yeah, we're getting down to that too. Music of the Sun was her first record and that had Ponder Replay. Okay. Girl Like Me was her second album. Um, why am I thinking of Good Girl Gone Bad? That was her third album. SOS was from A Girl Like Me. That was 06. Good Girl Going Bad came after that. Wow, she was releasing an album a year. I did not realize that. Rihanna was busy, man. Okay, because that also had Unfaithful on there, which was a Neo track. I do remember that. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my bearings again about Rihanna. Um, yeah. I really, I mean, honestly, I feel like when the third album, Good Girl Going Bad, I feel like that was a real breakout album when Umbrella was released. Um Especially, like, as far as in, like, the music video scene. Like, she had videos before, but I feel like Umbrella really kind of... That kind of broke everything ...propelled her. Before. Yeah. A future uh, track. Yeah. Not a future track. Um, Not future. God, what is his name? He married Christina Milian. The Dream? The Dream, yes. That was the Dream track, yes. Um, Yeah, Tricky, Tricky and Dream. Christopher yeah. Tricky Stewart. Mm-hmm. I think is his name. Works and, with Britney Spears a lot. And uh, The Dream... Uh, wrote that one. Uh, I think they, yeah. They, well, they write it for a lot of people. But the thing is, um, uh, I think from there, I think her videos became <clears throat> something to that that fans could look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think like since she's put out so much material, yeah. And has so many videos out there, and a lot of hit songs. Um, I mean, it's not like she's not deserving of this award. I mean, I figured it would happen sometime. No, I agree. Um, it's um, well, because initially I was like, well, yeah, she's been around for ten years or eleven years, but I would like her to have been around for for longer. But I keep forgetting, like, artists like her are releasing. They're releasing, like, I'm looking here at um, Rated R, which was the album that she released right after the Chris Brown incident. 
six singles. That's like half the album. <laughs> that is also a rare thing, though. Yeah. To have six singles. I think now you're lucky to get three. Mm-hmm. But it's artists like her that have that have that um that ump I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of, but artists that are big like her, big enough like her, that have that pull in the industry, they they can release that many singles and they'll write an album for a while. She wasn't doing that early in her career, but then she started doing that. She was like, Yeah, let's what's, just what's also interesting though is okay, yeah, it had six singles. Okay, Radar came out in two thousand nine. It had six singles. Then there was the remix album. Loud came out in 2010. That was the, that was the next album. Mm-hmm. And there were so many singles. I thought that those, those singles were on other radar. albums. <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, she's just releasing every song as a single. Um, Loud had seven singles. Yeah. Talk That Talk had six singles. Unapologetic, seven singles. So... um I can't think of any other artist who even gets that kind of. Um, well, I miss the big ones. I mean, like Justin Timberlake, I think did it. Um, Taylor Swift has done it. Katy Perry has done it. And I've yeah, not, Taylor Swift's in the midst of. I think mm-hmm. she she's on her sixth or seventh. Yeah, I, I felt like she was going to release like every single song from that <laughs> album. Just like, oh yeah, there's another one. I don't want to go back in the studio. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, I'm, and you know, and it's interesting. Um, Seeing that I didn't realize that like there were so many remix albums. Like I'm starting to notice artists doing that as well. Katy Perry did that. Like they'll release the album, then they release like the low the like the special edition, they like name it something cute, and then they release a remix album and and it's just like all of all the while like they're just out there touring and recording new stuff. Yeah, the the remix album is I mean it's not it's not a new thing, but uh for it to still uh, for it still being done um, the remixes of songs; those are the <clears> ones that they get. Some they get like late night radio play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it gives the the producers of those remixes exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, for them to play at festivals or clubs or whatever tours that they do with their laptops. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> David Guetta style. Not to hate. Why should we press this button? <laughs> um. <laughs> um so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I would to the expectation for remix albums are different, like probably in like the eighties and nineties, people go out and buy those too. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's to give, um, I think it's just to, to kind of broaden the audience. They may like the remix version better than the album mm-hmm. version. Yeah. Um, and it gives the DJ some exposure to where they will end up, you know, doing production for somebody or if not having their own um, big time projects. Yeah. And then not to mention, you know, just kind of touching back on Rihanna here, all of these albums that she did, she's only 28 years old. Um, then you have to think about the stuff that she's doing in between the, the, the stuff that she's featured on yeah, the features and then the stuff that she did with DJs that she did with Calvin Harris, with David Guetta. So, I mean, she's like, she does, you know what? I have to go back. She, she might deserve this. She stays busy. She's done a lot, um, in her 28 years on this earth. So power to her. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, um, trying to think if there's any other news, that we could uh, discuss 
Um, well, the number one song. Still Cheap Thrills. <laughs> still Cheap Thrills. The number one album is still DJ Khaled. Major DJ key. Khaled. Getting his Quincy Jones on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, well, do you have an earworm of the week, even though you had one two days ago? <laughs> Actually, I did. Let me go here. It is called Carter and Carter and Cash. Okay. And it's by Tor Miller. And um, this is kind of a shout out to my girl. Um, she works in surgery a lot, and they play. Um, they play Alt Nation. I don't, if you have Sirius XM, you know what that is. They play Alt Nation a lot, and um, like as a, as a result, now she knows all of these like alt rock songs, alt pop rock songs, and like that's always what's on her radio when I get in her car, and she knows all the songs. And this came on, and this one was really really catchy. I don't know if he's done a lot more. I don't know anything else really by him. Um, so shout out to Sirius XM and Alt Nation as well. Like this song is awesome. It's called Carter and Cash. All right, let's check it out. This time. 
trying to set so free Lost sight of where we stand, it ain't fun to me this time In all the That is Carter and Cash by Tor Miller. Reading the uh, the the biography, the little biography they have on Spotify. My first heard this. This is my first time hearing this song. Okay. And we started singing. It's like uh, it sounded a little like David Bowie. <laughs> like immediately, I heard David Bowie, and uh, uh, it says here while he was. Um, he had to carpool with his mom for two hours to and from school mm-hmm. and she introduced him to the music of Elton John, David Bowie, Billy Joel and other 70s and 80s artists. Nice. So the influence is is there from those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he also studied at the at NYU's Clive Davis School of Music. Oh, OK, I knew it's from New York. I didn't know he went to school up there, though. OK. And he is signed to, well, I don't know if this particular single, but I know it says he was signed to Glass Note. He is signed to Glass Note. Okay. Um, and that's just a single, guys. There's no album yet. He had an EP Mm-mm. called Headlights that came out last year. Um, he has a new, he has a couple of other singles, and it looks like he may, it may be, or maybe an EP or an album called American English. Um, to look over that Tor Miller, T O R Miller. Uh, so let's get into the topic which we decided on like five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't take a lot of prep time, at least for Ben. Maybe a little for me, but I think I can just, I can, I can follow along. Um, if you heard of the, the first song we started off the podcast with, it was the Whispers "Rock Steady," and. I told you that uh, you will you will wonder why we've been calling a certain man by a very strange nickname all this time. Um, we're going to highlight a producer songwriter. We'll do that from time to time. And tonight we will be highlighting Kenneth Edmonds, better known as Babyface. Oh, yeah. One of my heroes. <laughs> uh, well, Ben, tell us why. Why is he one of your heroes? Well, um can't tell from listening i am a musician i'm a songwriter i'm an artist and um at an early age i listened to a lot of the things that my sister listened to so you know when i was young um and you know young as in like you know eight nine years old ten years old um you don't really know you don't have a sense of what to listen to so you just listen to what you know maybe like you know with i know greg has mentioned a lot of the music he listened to is stuff that his mother listened to um, a lot of the stuff I listened to was stuff that my sister listened to and Babyface was really popular back then. And I just, I was, I was drawn to his music. Um, I remember when the album Tinder Lover came out with uh, Whip Appeal on it. Um, uh, Whip Appeal, when I was a young, when I was younger, was one of my favorite songs. I, I think I had, or my sister had the, um, had the cassette I, and I listened to it and just like ever since I, ever since then, you know, I kept listening to him as I became more aware musically and realized that he was a writer and a musician that really, you know, even kind of intensified my interest in him and um, has really kind of has me thinking that I was born in the wrong 
decade or I was a musician in the wrong decade because I feel like I would have killed in the 90s with all of these like, you know, mid-tempo to slow-tempo R&B ballads, even some of the up-tempo stuff that he did, um, like I'm Your Baby Tonight being one of the more up-tempo songs he did with L.A. Reid, um, down to the down-tempo stuff like um, Red Like Special. Um, I mean, just he's 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 so versatile. I mean, like when it comes to writing, when it comes to R&B music, and I'm sure he could have done more if he wanted to. But I mean, he was eating so well on like R&B music. I mean, like along with people like Teddy Riley um, and um, L.A. Reid, who we worked with all the time, they kind of really shaped um, 90s R&B. Like, I don't think it would be what it is right now without I would maybe say without those three people. And I'm sure we'll do a show on Teddy Riley sometime down the road because yeah. he's. I will also legend. include uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry yeah, Jimmy Lewis. Jam, yeah, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And, uh, and R. Kelly. Who did amazing work on um, with Janet Jackson early on. Yeah. So Well, even still today. To the, yeah, <laughs> to this day. Janet Jackson. Um, were they part of a band called Flight Time? Was that the name of the band? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Flight Time. Yeah, so um, like huge innovator in R&B. Um, so many hits to his name. I mean, End of the Road. Um, which held the record for, you know, the longest number one um, single on Billboard for a very long time until Boys and Men came along and broke it again <laughs> with, I believe, another Babyface song. Um, uh, oh, God, okay, what was it? From have, Two. I'll make love to you on yeah. this list, and I think that was the one. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they broke it again, which maybe shit, maybe we should do a, uh, one on <laughs> um, Boys and Men. They came and broke it again with One Sweet Day with Mariah Carey, um, which I don't think was a Babyface song, no. but still, like... You know his his influence on that on that '90s R&B, late '80s, early '90s, throughout the '90s R&B was just huge. And it wasn't just R&B. Um, I mean, it, there's been some pop hits. I yeah. mean, Boyz II Men is it's it's pop, but yeah. R&B, but it's still pop. Yeah. Um, he co-wrote, co-produced, and provided backing vocals on another number one hit for Madonna. Take a oh, bow. Take a bow. How could I forget? I played that song. As I left my job, my last job, on my last day when I quit, because um, <laughs> I've been singing that song. I had to walk around the floor all the time. I was singing that song because I was, I was getting back into it again. And one of my employees on my last day gave me a gift bag. And on the bag, it said, take a bow. And so as I left, I played that song. And I was like, take a bow. I love that song. Thank you, Greg. I forgot about that song. So, um, uh He's he's a he's a, a legend, but kind of a, a a legend that not a lot of people mention as far as like songwriters go. Mm-hmm. Um, and people maybe have different um, opinions on him. I mean, I'm not sure what they would be, but um, a lot of the songs that that I like that I found out that he had, he'd actually written like working with TLC mm-hmm. and Usher and Tony Braxton and Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston, you know, the people who have seen waiting to exhale. Um, he produced the soundtrack. Like he wrote all the Basically, songs. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote all the songs on the soundtrack. Um, and it has a list of artists that he's worked with, you know, the ones we've mentioned already also, uh, uh, Beyonce, Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Paul Abdul, Eric Clapton. If you mm-hmm. know the song, Change, I could change the, world. the World. Love that song. Uh, Tevin Campbell. Um, 
Mary J. Blige, Brandy. Okay, they included 3T on this list. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but okay. Um, uh, and like we, like I uh, just remembered before we start recording, Fallout Boy, mm-hmm. um, Mariah Carey, uh, in Vogue, and well, for the the young kids that are listening, Ariana Grande, mm-hmm. Zendaya, Lil Wayne. Well, it's not a way he worked with Zendaya. I had heard the. Now, I love that, that Lil Wayne well, song is the only Lil Wayne list, song I so. like. <laughs> Zendaya's yeah. on this list, so he worked with her in some, some form. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, like, like we say, he's a legend, and he brought, um, he brought music. He really kind of helped, I think, at least, kind of helped develop the urban music scene in Atlanta. Um, LaFace Records, the record company that he, um, that he headed up with, L.A. Reid, was based out of Atlanta. Um, and put out a lot of really good people. Um, first one that comes to mind right off the top of my head being TLC was a face artist. Usher. Usher was a face artist. Yeah. Um, hell, when he, um, he brought, um, um, he, he brought Whitney Houston to Atlanta when they wrote, um, I'm your baby tonight. They brought, you know, Whitney Houston in to lay down the vocals on the song. Um, so a lot of respect from there, bringing, you know, to a city that I live in, the city that I love, helping really kind of shape that scene here. Um, I think Monica, was she on LaFace also? Or was she Arista? Um, I cannot. She's not on this list, so she might have been Arista. Yeah. But, I mean, he really kind of helped. Um, yeah, I mean, he just helped, along with, like, him in Dallas, Austin. You know, some of the other writers that were here, Organized Noise. Um more of a hip hop thing, but yeah. Um, I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> I could sit here and talk forever about what he's done. And then just even looking at his, his solo records. I mean, like he was more than just, um, he was more than just a songwriter. I mean, he wrote for himself, but I mean like tender lover, which I mentioned, which had, um, when he had the, um, the really processed hair, the product in his hair, um, which had whip appeal. Then he had for the cool in you, the day, I think the day had, if I remember correctly, uh, where were the singles there? Every time I close my eyes, which featured Mariah Carey on background vocals, "How Come, How Long," which was one of my favorites, featured Stevie Wonder, very somber video, which included um, domestic abuse. Um, for the Cooling You, which was the album before that, which had the song um, "Never Keeping Secrets," I believe. Um, I'm trying to think what with the record he had, the one that he had. Um, LL Cool J was on there with him. For the Cooling was the, was the, one of the lead singles from that album. Um, when Can I See You, which um, I remember Ryan Barber, shout out to him, used to want to sing all the time. Um, go figure. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, uh, of baby face out there. Um, the day, I, I was trying to find out if it had one album of the year, but it was it was nominated in 1998. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, the, the playlist, like each episode, I would want to have a playlist that we do. Um, the playlist that would be more related to this episode is more what he produced and wrote or co-wrote, mm-hmm. um, excluding his own solo material. Um, so that's what we started with like the whispers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, he did write queen of the night for the bodyguard. So he did work on that. Okay. Um, but, um, 
Okay, well let's let's give an example. If if you wanted to showcase um his writing and production, what's a song that you would wanna Oh man, it it'd have to be I'm your baby. Um that song Alright. Well, I mean it and because you can't really do it with one song, so I'd I'd go there first because I think that's his most I I think as a team with him and him and LA Reed, I think to me that was their most exciting song. Like it's well written, but it's also very exciting, you know? Like it's it was unlike anything Whitney Houston had really ever done other than like the song um that everyone seems to know that I can't stand. And I can't stay, and that, and I've forgotten it because I don't like it. Um, I want to dance with somebody. Like it oh. was, in the, it was, it was an up tempo, but like it was just so much better. It's more aggressive. Um, it was more urban, um, especially for the time. You know, like now you listen to it, like oh, this sounds like sounds like another pop song, but this was a very urban song for the time. Like it wasn't. They thought it was going to alienate her from her core fan base, but it made her more popular. Hmm. Um. Trying to find some more information about the about that song. About uh, this one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, they they flew her down here and like at this I mean when they flew her down here to make this song, she was well into her career. She was one of the biggest pop stars um in the music industry. And they said when she came down, she was very unassuming. She didn't you know, you wouldn't have known that Whitney Houston was one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, the way in which she kind of carried herself and I think that made it easier for them to work with her because they weren't the big names that they are now they were just you know L.A. Reid and Babyface they were kind of some they were kind of upstarts I mean they yeah. had they had some release some stuff on their own uh, with the deal but um, I think with I mean yeah this kind of like brought um, uh it was a it was a different song for her at mm-hmm. the time because it wasn't so it what well it wasn't like like a a ballad mm-hmm. or or a bubblegum pop Mm-mm. kind of which she had done in her first two albums like this is for her third album and I remember talking to my sister as well who's you know who was around maybe a teenager when this came out I, I was asking her like hey you know was this song really, was it really like that when it came out she goes oh yeah. Like this really changed the way that people looked at Whitney Houston when this song came out, because I didn't. I thought this was just kind of like, oh, they're just saying this is revisionist history. She's like, nope, this really did change. Like, especially with urban audiences, and I keep saying urban because I don't want to just say black, but with urban people who were fans of urban music, it really changed the way that they looked at her. Because before that, she was like, you know, she was a pop princess. I mean, I don't want to say she was necessarily their days Britney Spears, because God knows she can sing better than her, but like, she kind of had that reputation. Um, now I guess if I had a second song, I would say it's also another Whitney Houston song and it's, um, I, I'd probably say my personal favorite, which is, um, the waiting to excel song shoop. Um, it's, it's my absolute favorite song by him. One of my favorite songs of all time. Um, just like, you know, uh, you're, I don't want to necessarily say your run of the mills, you know, pop, um, our R and B pop ballad but i mean like it's just it's just really good i don't know like <laughs> it's hard to put into words i've I've loved this song from the second i heard it and throughout the years it just gets better with every listen if you ever get a chance to check out his version of it on um unplugged where he sings the beginning a very gospel style um and then brings out i think 
not Beverly Mitchell. I can't think of her name from the Unplugged album when he does this. Um, which is honestly, and now that I think about it, that Unplugged album was really good because he did not only his songs, but he did songs for other people as well. Right. And he would bring out other guest artists to perform those songs with him. Um, while he would sing half of it, they sing the other half or something like that. I think he brought out After Seven, which featured one of his brothers. Or was it all? Was it like several of his brothers or two? Two of his brothers. And After Seven, um, he brought them out. He brought out. God, I wish I could remember who he brought out. It was a really. It's a really good album. Let me see if I can find it here. Or do you have, uh, you have your computer? Yeah. Um, included uh, Eric Clapton. Yes, Eric Clapton came out. Changed yeah. the world. Um, here we go. Yeah, uh, breathe, breathe again, which he wrote for Tony Braxton with Shanice. Had Shanice. Yes, and um, that was Sheila E that he brought out for Exhale. Oh wow, she tore it up. Um, so, uh, well, as mentioned, this from the Way to Exhale soundtrack in which he wrote all the songs. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, you don't really see that with a with. I mean, there are very few artists that get to do that for a movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, he's done it. I think Stevie Wonder did it for um, a couple movies. Yeah, I know uh, the Jungle Fever soundtrack comes to mind, and uh, the Lady in Red or the Woman in Red. It's a movie with like Gene Wilder, Kelly yeah. LeBrock from the eighties. Uh, in which Stevie Wonder won an Oscar for probably one of the, the worst songs he's ever written. What, Jungle Fever? No, no okay. for The Woman in Red, uh, okay. I Just Called to Say I Love You. Oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that song. <laughs> um, but Definitely not the Stevie Wonder Renaissance. Um, I think, um, well, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a collaborative effort, so never mind. I was thinking of the Lion King soundtrack. I mean, Elton John doesn't write his lyrics, but I know he wrote the music. And he writes the melodies. Tim Rice wrote the lyrics. I can't remember who composed it, though. I think it was like Alan Macon. Maybe. Or, or was it Hans Zimmer? Was he or doing, Hans Zimmer. Was he doing maybe. work back then? He might have been. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, that is that is unprecedented to be able to just be... He was given complete creative control of these albums. And for good reason. Because, I mean, they ended up being smash hits. Um, the bo- uh, Boomerang, um, End of the Road. Yeah, turns out to be one of the biggest and singles he, ever. And he introduced the world to Tony Braxton. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you this: like, he's written a lot of songs for female artists. Uh, what, do you, as a as a songwriter, someone who could write for the opposite gender mm-hmm. or a different gender, however you want to say it, <clears throat> but what does that say for? Um, him or what do you think it takes for a songwriter to have that ability I think it takes it and this isn't I'm not I'm not poo-pooing on his vocal ability because he's a great singer but it takes someone who really understands vocal ranges and I think it really understands someone who under who takes someone who understands where that the opposite gender is coming from because um, you can write lyrics you can or you can try to get in the head of a female, write lyrics, and they just come out sounding insulting, or they just come out sounding like preposterous. Like I wouldn't say that, but I think that's different for him. Like he's 
he's he's such a talented writer that he really kind of understands and it probably just comes with experience of him having written for so many women and maybe even getting um a feel for just like what would a female say working with some of these artists um i think it takes an incredible amount of talent and it really it just kind of goes to show even more of his versatility as an artist to be able to write for himself and then just be able to like you know i'm gonna write this song for mariah carey i'm gonna write this song for tony braxton i'm gonna write this song for tlc and and nowadays ariana grande um i mean i think at this point it's probably second nature but it i mean i imagine it took some some time to be able to do that and just really understanding granted you know if you write a song in one key you can change it to another key but he had to kind of go in there with the with the general idea of what he's going to write and not to mention he wrote for some people some women who had some very um ranges you know opposite ends, opposite ends of the spectrum tony braxton being a very low kind of husky voice um same with tlc with t-boz and then you have you know whitney houston who could sing probably anything she wanted um I, I just a lot went into writing those um one thing i wanted to ask you since um uh we brought up before we started recording. I don't know if you know the story of it or, or just in general, like what it takes to, okay. He's known for R and B pop mm-hmm. songs. Um, and he's also produced for fallout boy, mm-hmm. uh, which was, um, yeah, one was a huge single and one was a deep uh, cut. Really? Yeah, they were both singles, but uh, you know what? I, yeah, because they filmed that. The other one was in Africa. I remember that now. Yeah, I'm like a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so with um, with with like changing genres like that, uh, do you think there is a um and like and and so deep into his career mm-hmm. to make that kind of change? Well, um, they wanted to work with him. They sought yeah. they sought him out. Um, because I mean, I, I don't know how much, you know, our, our listeners know about Patrick Stump. Patrick Stump probably wishes he was an R and B singer born in the nineties. Like I'm pretty sure he was a huge baby face fan as well. And I bet you that was a dream come true for him. Um, as far as changing genres, he's just got a good ear. I mean, like I, I imagine in the sense of, um, working with fallout boy, he probably worked in the, in the role of more of a traditional producer, probably had a recording engineer, and just like actually probably like I just imagine Babyface in there like, all right, let's test this drum mic. How does this sound? How does this guitar tone sound like really controlling every single aspect of production like a real producer would do? And I think him actually being a musician, because a lot of a lot of um, people who listen to st- like a lot of R&B music and rap music and to them, a producer is someone who makes beats. Um, in all other genres of music, a producer is somebody who actually controls all aspects of what a producer does and for anyone who wants to know about that go and read up on um madonna recording like a prayer and like and you you get to kind of see like how much input she had into production you 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 read about like the back and forth that her and the producer of that song had where it came down to like they were just talking about like you know do we want this guitar tone on this is this going to be too heavy um or if you look at like quincy jones and Michael Jackson and how many bass players, just like different bass players they went through just to record the bass line for Billie Jean. And I like to think that 
in those in like a lot of recording sessions really that's what babyface was doing he wasn't a producer and like i'm gonna make these beats he was a producer and like i want to find the perfect person to play on this i want to find the perfect drum tone because i mean like fallout boy is already a band so i mean you're not gonna bring in yeah. other people like it, it, and he's a producer in like and this is okay yeah he didn't write the song mm-hmm. but he helped bring it together exactly he was and he, that's what that's what um, a producer ultimately does he brings the songs together mm-hmm. I mean I know I've joked about DJ Khaled <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't write songs he's not making beats but he puts he puts these projects together mm-hmm. um, so uh, to be able to to be able to do that in a different genre altogether and then also have the respect of the band mm-hmm. coming in um, that is I think I think it's amazing that he's worked with a band like Fallout Boy, yeah. Um, compared to the rest of his career, um, as a um, as a songwriter, um, like is he an influence for you as a songwriter? Oh God, yes, he is huge influence. Um, just with what he's been able to do, and with his consistency, um, the string of hits just like hit after hit after hit. And there were good songs. Like he didn't release. There was really like, as far as like the big hits, there's, there's no filler. And it's like, there's no formula really to, I mean, like you, there's things you can do. There's, there's, there's principles you can follow. There's techniques you can use, but there's no real written formula for writing a hit song. If there was, if there was, everyone would just learn the formula and do it. Um, he's just got a really good ear um, for writing music. He's just got a really good ear for what sounds good. And in the early nineties throughout, he was just, he had his finger on the pulse of like what people wanted to hear. And I, I was, I like that. Um, even, okay. I said he's worked with, uh, you know, uh, different genres are mostly R and B and pop, but just like the kind of the, um, I don't know whether it's based on reputation or, uh, or content or um, like the demeanor of the artist. I feel like they're all very different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm not sure if, I mean, as far as like how they were uh, received, Boys to Men and Drew Hill, <laughs> I think, are very different. Yeah. I mean, they might be, you know, the same kind of people, but I think as far as their material, um, and how they received how well. they how they were received is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's also worked with like Bobby Brown and Johnny Gill. Yet, yeah, well, they were kind of in the same mm-hmm. group together, but it, you know, they were at different times. But their careers their, were very their careers were different. Yeah. Um, and then working yeah. with Mary J. Blige, I'm not going to cry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean. His contributions, um, yeah. And um, he, I think he kind of extended the career of Tevin Campbell a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I think after the first album, everyone really forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's because, like, yeah, I'll Be Sure was doing a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then he was associated with Prince. Yeah. Um, and I think people kind of forgot about him, and then Babyface gave him like 
when I'm ready and I'm ready and can we talk? Yeah, and always I'm, so he gave him like three solid songs. Three, yeah, like, there's probably more, but at least those those songs were were hit songs. So he kind of extended them, and with TLC, um, working with a group that I think he kind of like took the edge off of them a little bit. I mean that in a good way mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because they were. TLC was like, they were the female version of Belle Biv DeVoe. That is a very out. apt description. <laughs> that um, is really good. So maybe it was like too much. And, you know, you, you, if they're supposed to be like role models for for young girls and all that, um, you know, kind of took the edge off. So their music, it was still is palatable to even more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was... Um, I appreciate that from him. <laughs> uh, and the, what's interesting is that I think with uh, with Tony Braxton, uh, do you ever wonder, like, if he's saying those songs, they will be out of his range? No, because, I mean, <laughs> I've tried to sing some of those songs and I think he could sing them because, I mean, he sang the big when he sang the intro to um to exhale. He was very comfortable. Um, and that's why. Like sometimes I listen to him as a singer, I'm like, oh, he's average. Then sometimes I listen, I'm like, he's really good. So like he's, I, I think he could have sang them. I mean, he probably wrote them in that key and didn't have to change them really. <laughs> um, I, I think with, I mean, it, it gave Tony Braxton a like a, a sound. Yeah, it gave her like a like kind of a, um, you knew this was a it was a Tony Braxton song. Like she had her own kind of like, um. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But I'd almost was, say he was, was like her definitive. Max Martin. Like she, yeah. he was her Katie. She was his Katy Perry. He was her Max Martin. Yeah. And he like basically kind of made her career. I mean, that first, um, those, that, um, geez, why am I getting tongue tied here? Um, I'm tongue tied here. Come back to me. I'm tongue tied. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, guys, check out the but the boomerang soundtrack, which kind of which introduced her. Mm-hmm. Love should have brought you home. Yes, there uh, we go. I'm thinking another that, sad love that song. song. Yes, another sad love song yes. from her self titled album. Um, yeah, he he kind of got her uh, off and running. Um, and um, and you know what? He was probably one of the yeah. I'm almost willing to bet, and I have to do more research. He's probably one of the last R&B songwriters that wrote using live instruments. Like he could actually, like Babyface could sit down with his guitar, or sit down with his piano. I'm fairly certain he reads music. Like he could actually sit down. And I think that's why he was able to. I think that's why his music was able to be so diverse and so different sounding. Or well, like I mean, it had a cohesive sound, but like. The song yeah, I didn't. think I think that's the key part of it is that it sounded put together. Yeah, as, he could arrange. This, yeah, yeah. Um, that's I think I'm now. Um, well, why do you, why do you think that that aspect has changed to where there aren't live instruments much anymore? Ain't got no musicians, man. Ain't got no musicians. Like very few, very few songwriters. Like I was very disappointed when I found out that. Neil didn't play any instruments. Like I thought Neil was going to be the next baby face. Oh, I thought he at least played piano. He don't play nothing. He doesn't read music. He doesn't play anything. He just, he writes his songs by humming. 
So the the Michael Jackson method, which I have a lot of respect for Michael Jackson. That's how Michael Jackson used to write. That's how James Brown used to write. I have a lot of respect for that. But like um, the songs, like I feel like past a certain point of Neil's career, the song stopped sounding as put together in favor of just like, I'm going to find someone who's making a beat and I'll just write a melody to that and we'll just do that. Um, early in his career, you know, So Sick um, and the second single, the first single from his second album that he came out with. Those were very, you know, the songs he did for Rihanna. Those were very well put together songs. Um, who did he have with them? Stargate? Is that who they are? Stargate was on the first album um, where he did like Sexy Love and I thought he So still, Sick. He, I, well, even with Rihanna, he was working with them. Yeah, I think I want to think the song um, Hate That I Love You. I think he had Stargate on that one as well because that had that same first album sound. Those And maybe that was them propping him up. And that's why they sounded so well put together because later in his career, didn't sound and i was just like okay he is he's not the next baby face i thought he would be um is I don't, there a next baby face I don't, out there or who's the closest to it i don't think we're gonna get one because it, it, it's, it's, I, I, it is kind of hard to tell just because of um the landscape of what r&b is yeah like we mentioned on the last episode it's blurred that type of artistry and, and it's i don't know who yeah what are you going to get out of or um, well let me is what are you going to what what it's what is r&b now yeah um is not what it was before i guess when you had time to and i think that's another thing uh as far as uh live instruments mm-hmm. in r&b some people don't have time to no to to put that together we got these keyboards, we got these synthesizers, we have a laptop. We got to put out an album. Yeah. Um, yeah, the artistry just isn't appreciated anymore. Um, and because the artistry isn't appreciated anymore, no one goes out and bothers to learn. Like, you're not going to have another Prince or, or, you know, where you can, or Stevie Wonder, where someone can, like, say, I, I can play all the instruments on my record. And that's I, a cool I, thing. You know, I think those guys, those people are out there. Who can play all oh, those just not, Yeah, they're just not going to be famous. They're just not going to, yeah. They're not going to get noticed. Because, um, I mean, like, if you play yeah. one instrument, now it's a big deal. Like, I mean, Miguel, they're like, he plays guitar. What else he play? <laughs> and, I mean, that's not a slight against Miguel. I, I have a lot of respect for Miguel. I like his music. But, like, you know, and I was reading, that's why, you know, there's so much fervor over Frank Ocean. Because you, you kind of had that throwback to like classic songwriting, R&B songwriting um, that you don't see, which I mean, maybe that should tell, you know, the powers that be that maybe, we, you know, they do want that style of R&B to go back again. That's why I love Sweet Life so much because it had an older R&B feel to it. And for the, and I mean, with a lot of Miguel songs, that's kind of why I like some Miguel songs. Hashtag beautiful had kind of an older well put together, well arranged R and B song to it. The song with Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like that song. Mm-hmm. I thought I it was. Know. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, what else can we add about Babyface? Maybe we could play some more Babyface as we try to figure something <laughs> out. figure out what else we could. Well, talk I mean, about here. I would say, uh, well, yeah, Love Should Have Brought You Home was a really good song. Speaking of, well, speaking of Tony Braxton. Um, I was also looking at the list and like, oh yeah, he just saw he introduced John B to us. Oh yeah, the racially ambiguous looking. What John is he? B. What is I, he? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but with uh, another key part with Babyface is his uh, knack for collaborating. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he is to Tony Braxton as Jim and Lewis are to Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and even they they've made I listened to uh, Love, Marriage, and Divorce. That Ooh. is. It's a it's a really good album and it didn't get the attention that it deserves. Um so I think you guys should check that out, the Babyface Tony Braxton album. Uh and they were both going they're kind of going through the same things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh which was interesting because they had um worked together for so long. Um I would also suggest his cover of Fire and Rain. Very good. Yeah. And he has an album called Playlist, I think that's mm-hmm. on. So album of covers, really good. But uh was looking at with the 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 song with John B. Mm-hmm. Um guys don't do duets anymore. <laughs> I mean there are like hardly any duets out there to begin with. Yeah. Like not like not collabs, okay? Not collabs where one guy's a singer and one guy's a rapper. Yeah. Um uh, or even a female, a female, whatever. I mean, a duet in which one person sings a verse, they sing together on the chorus, mm-hmm. um, and some, in some cases, maybe have written the song together. Like Yam will be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorites. <laughs> you know, um, uh, John B. and Babyface. Like I, like I, I remember really liking that song, and. And like when I put this list together, like over a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, it I think it inspired another list called uh, "The Lost Art of the Duet," mm. which we could discuss at another time. <laughs> but yes. it just made me realize that like duets aren't done anymore. And he had some really good ones. The one with John B. He has an album worth with Tony Braxton. Um, I think he's worked with Vanessa Williams. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if he did a duet with Whitney Houston, but oh, he did what with Pebbles. There's one with Pebbles. Because yeah. um, he did her for whole first album. Yeah. So, yeah. So what do you think of like um, how important like collaboration is and for, for someone to be prolific, how important is it to be a collaborative person? Well, you have to be. Um the the creative juices will run out eventually. So you have to be willing to work with other people, listen to their ideas. Um, Babyface, of course, had L.A. Reid to bounce his ideas off of. And I think that helped him not get stale. Not to say that he would have gone stale by himself, but having someone. And I don't think that L.A. Reid is as talented as Babyface at all. Because, I mean, like, how many songs out there did L.A. Reid do by himself? There were huge <laughs> hits. None. Um, so... Um, I definitely think that um, Babyface was the talent of the duo. Um, and I mean, <laughs> and I don't know why I keep thinking of this. Like, I, I keep thinking of the pairing of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, where everyone was like, <laughs> Ben Affleck was, you know, Matt Damon was the talent. Ben Affleck was the joke. And, you know, L.A. Reid was the Ben Affleck and, and Babyface was well, the Matt Damon. What's weird about that? Is, OK, yeah, Babyface may have been the talent. And I had heard the name L.A. Reed so many times. I didn't know he was actually a musician. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's the he's the head of the face. He's mm-hmm. the he's the love part. 
Um, I didn't know he was actually a musician yeah. or a songwriter. Like he was in the deal. I think he played drums. Mm-hmm. I, I had yeah. no clue. Because <laughs> ba- Babyface was the talent. Babyface was the was the guy who wrote the songs, um, who had the ear, and I mean he probably just bounced ideas. I mean, I don't think I don't think Babyface needed anyone to really kind of drag him along. More like he probably drug them along. Really, yeah. All right, so um, you can check out the uh, the playlist we'll post on our Facebook page. It's just called Produced slash Written by Babyface. It is uh, mainly the hit songs. It's not all every song he wrote that he wasn't featured on or produced, but the the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the features After 7, Bobby Brown, Boys to Men, Johnny Gill, John B., Tevin Campbell, TLC, Tony Braxton, Whitney Houston few more artists in there but um you guys should check it out it'll be on our facebook page and um i hope you it will enjoy it um so we're coming up with an hour and a half and um that's where we kind of want to keep it <laughs> mm-hmm. um i'm going to get to my earworm of the week what you got for us greg um what i was looking at our list of our past earworms. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed that we had no female artists yet. Really? That's really weird. Cause I usually, I usually prefer female singers, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, we have no female artists. So it was like, okay, what's a song that I like that has a female artist on it? Um, or female vocalist on it and going through, um, my list if I could find it I know there was one okay um it's uh have you are you familiar with the pop duo electro pop duo Aluna George I've heard the name I don't know much of them but I, knew, I do know their name um Aluna George they are from I'm not sure where they're I think that I feel like they're from the somewhere in the UK a lot of the um, best electro pop is. <laughs> um, I think that's where they where they're from. Uh, Aluna Francis and George Reed. Um, electronic pop, two step garage. That's a that's a UK genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh yeah, I am familiar with them because they did a cover of uh, "This Is How, how You do, do It." Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So from their first album body music well it's the only album they've come out with so far they're i think they're starting to pick up steam with that album they're going to be on tour if not currently on tour with sia and miguel okay and um the song that i chose from them is called i'm in control it is it features i think it's pronounced popcon uh it's another it's a Another artist that Drake sampled for um, Too Good, the song he did with Rihanna, samples PopCon. I feel like it's pronounced PopCon because that's that's how it looks to me. (laughs) Um, So this is I'm in Control by Aluna George featuring PopCon.
by Aluna George featuring Popcon. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, so we're coming up on the end of the episode and um, you know, I I think uh, I don't know if we did Babyface justice. If we, we didn't. Tried. Yeah, if we didn't, I'm sorry. It's not for a lack of effort. Yeah. <laughs> like he's one of those people who is just like it's hard to and I'll probably even write a blog post about him with that blog that's coming soon. I promise. Um, it's hard for me to sometimes put in words what he means to me other than just playing a bunch of songs and then talking about those songs. Cause I mean, yeah, we could give a bio. He's from Indianapolis and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, it's just like, um, like his music is what means the most to me. So that's what I, that's what I share. It's like, this is, you know, and it's it's really good. And if you, I feel like if you really wanna, if you really wanna get a feel of Babyface, check out his Unplugged album. It's really good. Um. Well, I know that the, well, the top the the playlist has more has, is stuff that he is not necessarily featured on, or that that he's the actually the main artist. Mm-hmm. I do have the a duet he did with Tony Braxton and one with John B. But. Um, that playlist is more for what he's produced and mm-hmm. written. But what we can do is end the song with, if let's see if they have his unplugged album. I think they do. Oh, yes, yeah, they, they do. do. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you pick a song from the unplugged and we'll end the show with that. Ooh, hold on one second. Let me take a look. As Ben looks it over, uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. 
You can follow us on Instagram at by the time you hear this, where the U is the letter U because we're urban. Um, email us. You can send us topics or questions or whatever. Um, I, I've made a decision. Uh, you can you can send us your mixtape, but that does not mean we'll play it. Uh, but that would be at by the time you hear this at gmail.com, which is also with the letter U. And um, uh, follow us. Uh, well, we have we are on Podomatic um, where you can uh, follow us and subscribe to the podcast. Also subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. If you if you think we suck, uh, let us know. Do you think we are amazing? Let us know. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Um, and uh, okay, I already mentioned, mentioned the Facebook page, Instagram. Yeah, that's where you can find us right now. Cool. And uh, Ben is working. Ben is working on the blog. It's 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 under construction still. Yeah. I don't know what stage he's at, but <laughs> maybe he hasn't even started. But it's under construction. It's, it's still under construction either way. <laughs> um. So Ben. Uh, what can we what can we end the show with? I'm going to go with Change the World. All right. Change the World featuring Eric Clapton. The lyrics are beautiful. And I think it won Song of the Year, Grammy for Song of the Year, the year that it actually came out. From the movie Phenomenon. Yes. So uh, by the time you hear this podcast, that's what you've been listening to. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Later. Yeah.